Welcome back to another episode of the illustrious, the esteemed, the world-renowned. The new set of... Not very new. <laughs> the Up and Out Podcast. Welcome back. We, we decided to change things up a little bit. We wanted to make it more conversational. And before, we were both sitting, like, right next to each other on a futon. It was not very conducive to discussion no and so now we hit your mic y'all didn't see that (laughs) so now we're kind of facing each other a little more hopefully it'll be a more of a chill conversation vibe anyway not that any of y'all care but i think it'll make us better hosts yes we can understand um the nuances of talking like face-to-face human beings yeah now we're not just talking directly to the camera the whole time and then having to turn our heads and give us neck strain so that's good um thanks if you watched last week's episode on pf2 pink friday, pink friday 2, nikki minjong we have not been canceled by the barbs yet but there's always time so we'll see. Yeah, we were a little concerned with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I understand that there is a bit of a gray area when it comes to emulating um, some of your favorite artists if you are not from a similar background. But nothing was meant in any kind of like. No one said anything, but yeah. When I was editing, I was like. And then also, is this going to come off a wrong way? We yeah. do recognize that rap and hip hop are not for us. Per se, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's we're, like we're not the demographic that they're really trying to sell this music to. No, um, but we still love Nikki, so we wanted to check it out, and we were a little disappointed. But you know, girl, every day she is tweeting about how she's adding new music to it. So also, who knows? she's like tweeting about like beef and stuff that she's having with other people. Yes, yeah, so she's like, like don't try and it. Stuff. Nah, all this stuff. Yeah, it's a lot. I don't know what's going on. Girls going off the deep end. <laughs> yeah. I think they need to take her Twitter password away. Yeah. Um, but she keeps saying she's going to drop Roman in Gag City. I don't know if that's like a deluxe version or if that's just a song. And I'm I, I'm excited for that because on the Gag City deluxe version, there was a song that should have been on the original album. Yeah. With the I mean, Keisha, Keisha yeah, Cole yeah, the and, Keisha and Cole Monica. And yeah. Monica one, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you haven't heard her thoughts on Pink Friday 2... Um, you probably have heard thoughts similar to ours online. A lot of people have the It's very polarizing. Reactions. Some people yeah, are some like, people this are... is the best album I've ever heard in my life. But also I feel like a lot of people are saying that just to like get Nikki to retweet because them. Because it's hype. Yeah. I don't know. Because I just, I don't, I really don't see how someone could say that's the best Nikki album. I don't, I don't see it. But I, I, I think you're lying if you say it's your favorite yeah. Nikki album. Personally. Personally. Anyway, this is not PF2 anymore. We're onto a new topic today. And a new-ish set design mm-hmm. where I'm inevitably going to mess with my mic 35. When I'm So when I edit these videos, because I'm the one that edits them, <laughs> I love to hold that over Trevor's head. He has the easiest job in the world when it comes to this podcast. Because I have to go to work. <laughs> Okay, rub it in. Um, When I edit these, I like speed up once I do like the basic attaching the sound to the video and then turn it into one file. I'll speed up the playback and listen to it like super fast. We sound like mice. Um, 
and over like the it's course like very, uh, of the video you can see me adjusting the mic crossing. and it's like over here over here over here you, the mic moves constantly throughout the video when you do like a really fast frame anyway like stop motion yes mm-hmm. but, but i it's can't not, yeah. i'm never happy with it like i always feel like my mic's audio quality is not where i want it to be and i can never tell it's because I'm not close enough or I'm too, f- or I might be far away or it might not be like, or he's know, still the- off his meds a little bit. No, it's always been like this. <laughs> yeah. It's always but, been like this. But my thing is, will touching the pop filter and moving it a centimeter really change the quality? No. But okay. in my mind, <laughs> in my mind, it will. Um, this week we're talking about video games. Video games. But we also... With a twist. Yeah. Uh, Gunter is, has another one of his longer outs today. So we might talk about that for more than half the episode. And you know what? I have That's many okay articles because it's, it's important. It's it's important. And also, hey, the whole episode might turn into just talking about his out again like it did when we talked about uh, the GOP. So stay tuned. The GOP, you. Mm-hmm. I wonder if anyone understood that that title. Because everyone I, says P-U, but no one ever no spells, one spells it out. It. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So I don't it know kind of looked like that. G-O-P-U, like G-O-P University. Whatever. <laughs> but um, I guess... Well, so we are recording this. We're actually like not that far behind for once. So mm, this, well, this is the episode going out in, in like three days. days. That's so yes, true. We are behind. I guess we don't have any. So we haven't posted a short for the PF2 video. And that's usually where we get our hate comments. So there's no hate comments to read right now. We're still going to post a short. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, um, but JP you know. is commenting uh, his up was that he is working on himself he's finding all these things about himself that he needs to work on we love self-care and his out is that um someone from his past he's realizing wronged him in more ways than one and maybe messed him gave him some trauma so uh yeah just fyi to the world (laughs) you know who you are the internet is not your diary it i mean it can be if that's what you want it to be but that's why i don't get on facebook anymore because too many people made it their diary, and I'm like, this is so dramatic. This, yeah. It's not it's not helping a whole lot. We love the engagement, JP. We love the engagement. We do. But uh, I just, we don't want you to say anything that you may not want to see online in a, in a year or two. Or that <laughs> like, could, I, yeah. I don't know, affect somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also your truth, so yes, I get it's it, I get it, I get it. Yeah. Um, um, I when I have beef with someone... I just wallow it up and I, I like hold it in mm. and I don't share it with the social media and then it blows up one day. But if they don't even know you exist, is, is that, that beef? beef? <laughs> uh, I'm going like to have to. Yeah, beef. Oh, you're so. I thought you were. <laughs> I thought you were trying to do a sound effect from the song. Murder, murder. I go okay. moo. <laughs> Um, we don't have a soundboard today because I need to use, we use my iPad for that and I need to use it for my very long out. I have, (laughs) I've been planning this for a week. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just get into our ups and outs. How about that? Okay. What's your up this week? Let's start. Is that I at least don't have to go back to subbing in schools until like the first week of January. So I get like two weeks off. I don't get paid for those weeks off, which is unfortunate because I'm not salaried. But, but hey. But hey, you work in medicine. 
We need a. He needs a break. We'll make it work. He has to make a doctor's appointment. He's got to take the cats to the vet. There's something I need to, to go be to said the about someone being the the house person. And when you and when we're both working, I would full, do that job gladly. No, I know. But when we're both when we're both full time workers, nothing. It's how done. do you how do you take your cats to the vet? I mean, I guess you take time off, but that's annoying to use time off for that you know as a teacher we got limited days at the beginning of each year so like i don't don't know it some things are easier not being fully employed but then obviously the downside is the downside benefits i have no money yeah if i had money i could just pay someone to take the cats to the vet true you know yeah yeah so we'll let you know if anything happens with them at the vet hopefully they are good um they're i don't think they care if they came back with a scary diagnosis, they'd probably care. Or Maybe. But um, they're crazy, like always. So. Yeah. What's your up? My up is that, look, we love choir, but we are officially done with concert season. If you've done choir, band, you know the fall. Well, concert season for band is in the spring. Oh, Okay, choir. If you don't choir, you know it's there's always fall concerts and there's always Christmas concerts. The holidays are so busy. For the last like two months, we've been having a lot of dress rehearsals, a lot of performances. We've already kind of talked about this, but we had our final performance with one of our community choirs yesterday. Went well. Wasn't our absolute favorite music we've ever performed, but it still went well, I would say. Yeah. And but I would also be lying if I said we aren't okay. These negatives, it's screwing my brain up. So I'm just gonna say it like this: We are happy to take a break from singing and rehearsing for a little while, right? Yes, that's my up. Is yeah. that we obviously we like the community aspect, we like singing, but uh, it's been a lot of performances because we were in two choirs instead of just one. And um, we're the ready. Christmas season for us, like as choir yeah. people, starts in November and it just goes on and on and mm-hmm. on and on and on. And I specifically am ready to not have to go to a nighttime rehearsal for a couple weeks. I mean, if you think about it, if you're a church musician, like if you get paid to sing at like churches, which I definitely have before, mm-hmm. you have to like, um, if you sign up for like the Christmas Eve services and the Christmas services and all that, you like. That's even time during the thick of the holidays, you know, mm-hmm. the actual days. If you're if you're of the the Christian or just the Western um, traditional ilk, and you're like working on those days when most people are off, mm-hmm. and so even then, being a singer is like, oh my god, give me a break. Yeah. So breaks all around, and those are our ups. I'll do my out first. Yeah, because mine's super long. It might take up the whole episode. Let's hope not. (laughs) Well, sad news, everyone. Another family pet in our families has passed. Literally three in a year, basically. Um, My parents. Well, she was my dog. I got her. Well, our dog, like my family's dog. Got her when I was a freshman in high school. Um, So she was 10. And she passed away. She didn't suffer at all. It was very much like one day of just completely plummeting. And then ultimately the decision was to... It wasn't even a full day. Yeah, was to put her down because 
there really wasn't much that they could do. And even if they did do the things, it wouldn't. Anyway, she was in a lot of pain for about half a day. And she didn't suffer too much. But apparently the morning of she had a seizure. And then they took her to the vet because she like could barely walk at all. Found out that her heart was like humongous, which is kind of symbolic. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. No, I know. No, I'm, I'm just. Like, just oh that was God. a joke. Yeah. Uh, like the Grinch's heart, you know, growing three sizes, uh, two sizes, three. I don't know. Her Ten? heart was huge because she had. It was huge. Like heart failure that I guess we just hadn't known about, or maybe it just all happened so fast. Um, well, maybe the seizure caused it. Mm. Just random. I mean, I mean, the seizure. I don't. I mean, you're, you're yeah, medical, I, uh, I, I don't see that. I, th- I think more. I don't see that for <laughs> yeah. me. Um, but Bella is gone. Both of our family dogs died within the last like two months. Three, three. Okay, yeah, or four. Um, but yeah, and uh, it's sad. So that's my out. And then also, it's just a lot of death, like my uncle passing away too. And yeah, this year we're hoping next since year last, is a little better. Since last November, our yeah. lives have been like drastically changing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like walked away from a job. I've mm-hmm. been looking for a job in March. I will have been looking for like a real salaried career job for a year and still not landed anything. And I started at a job. Our cat died our, last November. Yeah. You started a job mm-hmm. in the fall. Our family dog, we had to put down mm-hmm. in September. Your family dog had a freak accident and needed to be put down like mm-hmm. days ago. Um, yeah, wild year. We did get the boys last no- December. So we officially mm-hmm. have crossed the one year threshold with uh, the cats. Which also, if you didn't know, that's like the one of the most dangerous parts of a cat's life. Is in the, the first, first year. year. Mm-hmm. Once they make it past year one, I think they're considered to be like 14 years old or something, 15, because there's so like much death that happens in the first year. Mm. And then after that, I think it's like five years every year. Like dog years are consistent, but cats, they like give them a bunch of years in their first year of life. They know. grow fast. Yeah. But yeah, so all of our family pets are now fairly young. So let's hope that we, we don't have to don't. deal with it for a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sad day about uh, my out last week being people who buy animals from breeders and then days later your family dog passes. Yeah. Oops. And then my parents like sent our family Christmas card around and she's in it. And I was like, <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is sad, but, um, we, we have some sneaky ways of memorializing, and that's all I'll say. That's all we'll say. That's all we'll say. Mm. Um, my out. Oh. Strap in. Strap strap in, strap on. Because Gunter's about to take you on a ride, <laughs> a roller coaster ride. So if you are one of those people that likes to bury your head in the sand because the news is just so negative all the time and you feel like there's nothing you can do, um, I'm going to need you to wake up. Susan. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> Wake up, Susan. Um, I was listening to a bunch of podcasts this week that are like, like they record every two or three days and put stuff out about the news and the political consequences, all this stuff. 
and I also follow like CNN and MSNBC um, on or and I read the BBC news articles AP sometimes. AP news, you know, there's a lot of news sources. But yeah. I saw that there was this big issue going on in Texas recently, like as of days ago, a woman fled the state to seek asylum, which is normally a term that we hear um, immigrants from like war-torn guerrilla warfare countries kind of like mm -hmm. they seek asylum in the U.S. because it's like a, you know, it's supposed to be this place where you can find an opportunity, the American dream, all that crap. Um, and and it's safe. For, compared to quotes, some countries, it is a lot like they, the right. refugees or, or migrants from those places typically will say that they are very happy to be in America now compared to. Yeah. And some of them. Yeah. There are a lot of immigrants in America that, you know, racist white people won't realize actually vote Republican and conservative because they've been through tough times. So they and think they're like, that, why can't other people just do what I did? Yeah. I've heard that a lot in Memphis, actually, from immigrants. But. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not really what the out is about, but it's back to the woman and her experience um, dealing with Texas's new abortion ban that went into effect after the Supreme Court overturned um, federal protections to abortion, or as I like to call it, feminine reproductive health care. Mm -hmm. um, they overturned that decision in uh, the, it's called the Dobbs decision, and I'm pretty sure it happened last summer, the summer before. It was, it was huge in the news. I think it was last summer. Yeah, I don't think it was this summer. Yeah, it's been a minute. And the lovely state we live in, Mississippi, was the one that passed an abortion ban in the state, and then took it to the Supreme Court as like the. So states will do this periodically, especially the conservatives. They will challenge. Uh, legal precedent, things that have already been decided by the Supreme Court with a new, like, oh, here's a gray area line that we're going to put into the law, pass it, someone will challenge it, and we will then be able to take it all the way up to the Supreme Court by appealing over and over and over again. Like, it's like a plan. It's a plan. Yeah. Like, you know that the law is unconstitutional and that you can't enforce it, uh -huh. so you have people knowing that they're going to challenge it as soon as it goes live, basically, and then you take it all the way to the Supreme Court, make your argument, and hope that they side with you. Well, because the Supreme Court has been a conservative majority since Trump has been in office, um, don't even get me started. They blocked so many of Obama's options to put people in the Supreme yeah. Court, but then Trump gets in office and he puts like three or four people uh -huh. in it. It's ridiculous. Anyway, took it all the way there, and the Supreme Court overturned uh, a previous the Roe versus Wade historic decision. It's it, it has enshrined the right for women across the country to get reproductive health care access, aka abortion procedures, if they deem necessary or their doctors deem necessary for like over fifty years. So they took a legal precedent that they already decided, turned around because there's a new conservative majority, and took this Mississippi law as a, a challenge and used it to overturn it, which they we all knew they were going to do. There was a Texas woman in the news recently, and this was just in Texas. I'm going to read you um, a few articles from the Associated Press, from CNN, from who else? 
the USA Today and... AP News, you have one. AP I think News, the yeah. first one you're going to read is from AP News. So, turns out, for months now, there have been women in multiple states in the U.S. This is just the biggest one that I've heard of in the news so far. Probably because um, she got a nice crack team of lawyers and they're making a big stink about it, which they should, And if you ask me. But um, I'm going to read you the AP news article and then we'll kind of discuss it. And I want Trevor to jump in whenever he feels his medical um, opinion, professional opinion uh, might be helpful, whether regardless of what end of the political spectrum I'm trying to put here. I want like an actual scientific representation from whatever you happen to know. So anyway, just my opinion. Okay. Um, some some evil stuff is happening to women in the U.S. since the Dobbs decision was made, and I want to share some of these life threatening and scary stories with you all to hopefully light a fire under your butt and get you to share this with people, vote for people that aren't going to limit half the population's access to necessary health care. So in Austin, Texas, the, again, this is the Associated Press. The title of the article is Texas woman who sought court permission for abortion leaves state for the procedure, attorneys say. This was December 11th, um, 2023. A pregnant Texas woman whose fetus has a fatal condition left the state to get an abortion elsewhere before the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court on Monday, rejected her unprecedented challenge of one of the most restrictive bans in the U.S. Kate Cox, a 31-year-old mother of two, has spent nearly a week seeking court permission in Texas to end her pregnancy, but her attorney said she could not wait any longer and left the state. Her baby has a condition known as trisomy 18, which has low survival rates, and her lawsuit argued that continuing the pregnancy jeopardized both her health and her ability to have more children. Texas's abortion ban makes narrow exceptions when the life of the mother is in danger, but not for fetal anomalies. Republican Attorney General Ken Paxton, who I know this is such a low blow, but he has like a lazy eye and like half his face looks like it's not there. I don't know if he had like a stroke oh, or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, no better person deserves to go through something traumatic and health uh, scary. And also he just looks like a bridge troll and he deserves everything I said about him. Um, I won't take it back. We're not we're not a uh, proper journalist, so I can say what I want. It's our show, not yours. Ken Paxton argued that Cox had not shown that any of the complications in her pregnancy rose to the level of threatening her life. Let me remind you, he is the Republican attorney general in the state of Texas, not a doctor. Can I just jump in here? Yeah, just real quick. I just want to say the fact that we are, first of all, not doctors or making these decisions and saying like, the only exception, it's its not about the mother's well-being. It is strictly if it if it um, affects her, her like whether or not she's going to die. It doesn't matter if it maims you. It doesn't matter if it completely destroys your reproductive system going forward, which then would limit you to have future children, which you'd think they'd care about, but they don't. Um, it doesn't matter if it traumatizes you. Your, like, mental health gives you PTSD. It, it literally is, like... We don't care what quality of life you're going to have. We're just going to make you carry this to term um, if it only if it doesn't literally put you in the ground. Any other thing doesn't qualify. And he's not exaggerating by saying literally putting you in the ground. Yeah. I'm going to read in some of these other articles. And I also voice memoed when I was 
angry in the car the other day driving home. I voice memoed this whole speech that I'm going to give you at the end of everything that kind of collapses my thoughts into like what I would say if I were a politician and angry about this and wanted to get people's minds changed. Um, no, I do not want to join right now. Thank you. So anyway, um, he said that the complications in her pregnancy did not rise to the level of threatening her life. Not a doctor. Quote, her health is on the line. She's been in and out of the emergency room and she couldn't wait any longer. End quote, said Nancy Northup, president and CEO of the Center of Reproductive Rights, which was representing Cox. The organization did not disclose where Cox went. On Monday, she would have been 20 weeks and six days pregnant. Hours after Cox's attorneys announced she had left Texas, the state Supreme Court issued its decision that ruled against Cox. It came three days after the court temporarily halted a lower judge's ruling that gave Cox permission to get an abortion. Here's a quote. No one disputes that Miss Cox's pregnancy has been extremely complicated. Any parents would be devastated to learn of their unborn child's trisomy 18 diagnosis, end quote, the court wrote. Um, quote, some difficulties in pregnancy, however, even serious ones, do not pose the heightened risks uh, to the mother the, the, ex the exception encompasses, end quote. Again, not doctors making not, medical it's not, determinations. It's not bad enough. Yeah. Even though I'm not going through it and I never will have to go through it. I'm telling you that you should just have to deal with it. If you have a uterus, sometimes it's going to be hard for you. Also, hi, let me also say it is this is a inherent problem with this decision is that people are going to court to get permission to see if they're able to have an abortion, which if it like that wasn't a thing before. You would just go, but now they're required to, I mean, you would go to a clinic and get abortion care from a medical professional. Um, now you have to go to court. We all know court systems take forever to make no, any kind of decision. years for most cases. And so therefore, you, you could be in a life-threatening situation. Pregnancy is very dangerous, and we'll talk about it. It's very dangerous, and... Because now you have to wait on a court's decision because you might go to jail if you do what's best for your health. You only have nine months. You can't. Yeah. Like, and even then, like, no. even people on the left will agree that, like, past, like, six or seven months, the abortion's not an option. No. Yeah. And and, and the, th the thing that bothers me is, like, if you're in a life-threatening situation, you don't have the time to wait on a court to tell you whether on or not you can paperwork. make a medical decision. Let me also interject and also add in, Texas has, like, you know, they're the ones that are constantly crying afoul about immigration and whatnot and the border and all this stuff. That was one of the states that was um, putting kids in cages and the separating the families and all this stuff and putting four-year-olds in court as defendants with public defenders who don't speak they're putting four-year-olds as defendants at a desk in a court for immigration trials and whatnot to see if they're going to deport the child or what they're going to do who, who can't speak english they like don't know their parents names and stuff so this state has i think the last time i heard and i'm sure they've gotten up on it now but they had seven hundred thousand plus immigration cases that were backlogged in the courts because they didn't have enough staff or judges mm -hmm. to run through all of these things um that was like a year and or so two what's going to happen when all these abortion cases start to stack up exactly so anyway continuing with the article cox who lives in the dallas area was believed to be the first woman in the u.s to ask a court for permission for an abortion since roe v wade was overturned last year 
Her lawsuit quickly became a high-profile test of bans in Texas and a dozen other GOP-controlled states where abortion is prohibited at nearly all stages of pregnancy. Days after Cox filed her lawsuit, a pregnant woman in Kentucky also asked a court to allow an abortion. There's been no ruling yet in that case. Um, in Texas, Paxton mounted an aggressive defense to try to prevent Cox from having an abortion. He sent three Houston hospitals letters warning of legal consequences, both criminal and civil, if they allowed Cox's physician to provide the procedure. He also argued that Cox had not demonstrated that her life was at imminent risk, including oh. noting that she was sent home after her multiple visits to emergency rooms. Cox had cesarean surgeries during her first two pregnancies. Her lawsuit argued that in inducing labor would carry a risk of a uterine rupture because of her prior C-sections and that another one at full term would uh, would endanger her ability to still care to carry another child. But Paxton contended those arguments still fell short. Uh, this is a quote from his office, uh, what they told a court in a filing over the weekend. Quote, rather, the only question is whether Miss Cox's condition meets the exception, regardless of how long the child is expected to live. End quote. That's so beautiful. I love that. I get into it in yeah. my rant. Don't you worry. <laughs> Dr. Layla uh, Zadi Spung, I probably got that name so wrong, I apologize. A maternal fetal medicine specialist in Colorado and a fellow with Physicians for Reproductive Health said when lethal fetal anomalies are diagnosed, there's only risk to that pregnant person and no benefit, unfortunately, for that innocent child. End quote. Quote, you are putting your body through risks without any benefit because prolonging the preg pregnancy doesn't change the survival rate. End quote. She yeah. said. And that's what that guy being like, there's no imminent threat to the mother's life. Simply being pregnant puts you at risk for death. Um, that I is a risk of pregnancy. I didn't get statistics for it, uh, but I did make a Facebook post when I was angry the other day and started forming this uh, this topic for the show. Um, I found a National Library of Medicine article um, and a news article that both showed that since the year 2000, for one of them, the infant and maternal mortality rates have increased in the U.S. We're the only first world country that has uh, this high of a infant and mother mortality rate for mm -hmm. childbirth. And even since May of 2023, they've noted that since 2016 or 17, the rate has also, again, increased. So it's a multi-decade increase and a short-term increase, both happening at the same time. And it just so happens that the states in which there is the highest maternal mortality rate Say it. happen to be the ones that are trying to ban abortion. The two states in the country with the lowest mortality, I mean, maternal mortality rates are California and Massachusetts. Are we surprised? Two of the most blue states in the entire country. And so it's like, those should be the states, not that anyone should. I'm just saying, if you can back up that your pregnancy is going to be safe, guaranteed, then I think you could say something like, we don't want you to have an abortion. But it is backwards because the states that are saying that are the ones that are also saying, we're not going to make any adjustments to anything to decrease the risk of you dying while you're pregnant. Oh, I, I also get into that. You're, you see, we haven't talked about this at, uh, really at all. I've just been telling him, here's the topic I'm going to talk about. Um, here's my quick bullet points. I want you to do some research on your side as a medical professional to see if there's any like gaps you can fill, right? 
So you're making a lot of the arguments that me as just I'm a music educator, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a journalist, I'm not a medical professional, um, I'm not a legal expert by any means. You, it just shows that we're right on the money. Anyway, doctors told uh, Cox that her fetus has a condition known as trisomy 18. Also known what, as Edwards syndrome. Which is when a baby has an extra copy of chromosome 18. The diagnosis has a very high likelihood of miscarriage or stillbirth and low survival rate. And I'll add in what I found from that was that most babies that die, uh, that get diagnosed with trisomy 18 die within the first year of birth, if not in the first few days, right? The f the majority actually die within the first, if they're even born living. Yeah. I think almost 70% die before they're even born. Nice. And then if they're born, they are likely to die within the first month of their life. Okay. So uh, the diagnosis has a very high likelihood of miscarriage or stillbirth and low survival rate. Doctors told Cox that inducing labor or carrying the baby to term could jeopardize her ability to have another child. Trisomy 18 occurs in approximately 1 in 2,500 diagnosed pregnancies, according to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and the Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine. There is no live birth in about 70% oh, of pregnancies yeah, okay. involving the diagnosis that proceed past 12 weeks gestational age, according to a legal filing that the two groups submitted to the court. The termination of pregnancies because of fetal anomalies or other often fatal medical problems is seldom discussed in national debates over abortion. Exactly. We're ignoring all of the facts and the nuances because mm -hmm. we're going to act like this is a one side versus another. One side is moral because of some religious historicity or something. Um, there are no recent statistics on the frequency of terminations for fetal anomalies in the U.S., but experts say it's a small percentage of total procedures. Texas has long been at the forefront of strict abortion laws in the U.S., and even now there are ongoing efforts to make it harder for pregnant women to leave Texas uh, for states where the procedure is legal. This year, a federal judge in Texas ruled that the bans do not apply to helping women get abortions out of state. Under Texas's bans, doctors who provide an abortion can face criminal charges that carry punishments of up to life in prison. They could also face lawsuits from private citizens who are empowered to sue a person who helps a woman obtain an abortion, such as the doctor's staff. Let me reread that in case you're just like on autopilot. They could also face lawsuits from private citizens who are empowered to sue a person who helps a woman obtain an abortion, such as doctor's staff. The laws do not threaten the mother with any legal consequences. So literally, if, say, someone we knew got an abortion in Texas and say Trevor was not as, you know, logical, sound-minded as he is as a medical professional, and say we lived in Texas and he was personally offended that a doctor would dare perform a, a reproductive health care procedure on a woman for her safety, or even if she just chose to, let's, let's just throw that out there. If he decided as a private citizen he was so offended, he could sue the doctor even though he has no involvement with the procedure. He's not a victim. He's not tied to it in Literally any economic to do with legal. Me. No. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I don't know of any other legal precedent that allows you to do something like that. Dr. Christina Bourne, medical director for abortion provider Trust Women, which provides abortion care in Wichita, Kansas, and also has a clinic in Oklahoma City said that whether someone's life is at risk can be subjective. Ugh, you don't say. Doctors are now operating in a confusing atmosphere, Bourne said. If you are pregnant, if you are a pregnant person in a legally restrictive state, I'm concerned about your health outcome, she said. 
So that was the end of just the AP article. That's kind of the overview of the of the situation that got this topic like on my mind. And like Trevor said, there are medical nuances and details and things that are being completely ignored with these blanket umbrella bans. And of course, we've got more articles to read and I really get into it with my rant about the hypocrisy and the logical inconsistencies with uh, where these bans come from and why people are on this high horse about abortion. Um, but I'm going to read you another story about an Ohio woman who was arrested for abuse of a corpse after she miscarried. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. I also just want to say, as someone who has performed an abortion, hi. Oh, I, I didn't have even done know that. that. Technically, I have. So that's news to me. Yeah. Um, when I did my OBGYN rotation, um, it's called a DNC, dilation and curatage. You dilate the cervix. And basically, yes, I know they're like, this is what the video they do to scare people from getting an abortion. They show like a vacuum, like ripping a fetus apart or whatever. Have they ever showed like what surgery videos look like that save people's lives? It's just gore and yeah, disgusting. Yeah, literally. And so I have done the thing where I've put the vacuum got it out, cleaned it all out, whatever. Now, this was for a medically, like, it, because also, if you didn't know, there are pregnancies called uh, gestational trophoblastic disease. You can literally have a, a fertilized egg go into your uterus, attached there hi i'm growing yay and then it can literally turn into something called a molar pregnancy or a high high taditiform mole these are big words i know i can't even say them but it literally turns into an unregulated growth of cells that can then turn into cancer and metastasize to the rest of your body and kill you it's called choriocarcinoma look it up so this lady had a molar pregnancy she wanted the she wanted to have a baby like it was it was planned whatever but we had to perform the abortion and it was an abortion i don't care that it was a molar pregnancy it's still considered an abortion yeah medically a yeah. lot of these procedures whether it's like two weeks into a pregnancy mm -hmm. or it's nine months into a pregnancy and the baby will be like stillborn any form of removal of the fetus fetal tissue from the uterus in any part of pregnancy is medically considered an abortion correct well also you may not know this but i probably don't any miscarriage is considered a an spontaneous abortion. abortion it's just the term for so does that mean we have to stone women to i know because they have happens? a miscarriage yeah I, and and that's literally what people have talked about people are like what if a mother puts herself at risk? And this was something that when the first, when it was overturned, however long ago it was, the, the Roe v. Wade, a woman in Kentucky did cocaine, which then they postulated induced in a, her to have a miscarriage. And she went to jail for it. And it's like, because they're saying she caused an abortion. And it's like, y'all, this is just so crazy is so yeah, crazy they're, they're acting I don't... as if so what if for example they're acting as if being an unfit incubator means that you murdered someone yeah uh fetuses don't pay taxes there is no moral ethical quandary that uh, philosophical quandary that they have in life they're not 
Uh, they are uh, literally classified as a parasitic organism until they can live outside of the body. Right? I'm not making that up. Well, yeah, it's a parasite. Technically, it's a parasite you want, but it feeds off of your body and requires you as the as um a uterine having a uterus having person as an incubator. If you're an unfit incubator, you make poor choices or the world just uh goes against you. Your hormones go against you, whatever. Are, uh, states are trying to now classify that as murder and i just don't see it well and it's way. just like th- it's the nuances like what if say you get into a fight with someone and you're pregnant and they like kick you in the stomach and you have a miscarriage did that person perform murder you, you know i, I would, don't know i would say if if it was an act by another party and you wanted that baby i feel like you should be able to um file a lawsuit file well, charges no whatever. yeah lawsuit is is different than like charging someone with first degree murder right it's like an assault that led to yeah. a loss of something yeah. in your life but if you what if you fall down the stairs if you, true. And you have a miscarriage are you reckless and and now you're a murderer right but in the yeah. land of liberty and freedom and again i'm getting into all of this later <laughs> but uh, uh in the land of liberty and freedom and personal freedom and all this crap and i say crap because it's not actually true um if you don't want to incubate the way that other people tell you to if you don't want to have a pregnancy the way other people tell you to then you are morally unjust and somehow that is um even though the fetus doesn't provide anything to society you are somehow this like immoral unethical and sometimes considered a murderer okay sorry i keep derailing no it's uh, we're having an important conversation (laughs) that i think a lot of men specifically should be having um because women need our help we don't have uteri so there's no reason uteruses um you know you gotta have some kind of humor with stuff like this i actually did want to talk about this before because i can see people in the comments being like two men talking about abortion look we are advocating for women's rights i don't think men should be talking about uh freedom of choice when they're trying to take it away because that's something that will never happen to them. This is the same thing with the whole gay marriage stuff. Yeah. If you don't want to want gay if you don't want to get don't get gay married. Yeah. It doesn't If you don't want to have an abortion, don't have an abortion. So I think we are advocating for people to have a choice. So uh, therefore I think it is fine because we are fighting for people to be able to have their own life. If you're men on the internet talking about how you're pro life then I'm like, no, stop talking. I, it never I have some you. arguments that I yeah. am going to make later about how pro-life is is a misnomer. It's a false label. No, it's anti-choice. Don't yeah, buy into but, it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this is an Ohio woman named... Oh, and this is from the Washington Post. Um, this article is titled, She Miscarried in Her Bathroom. Now She's Charged with Abuse of a Corpse. This is by Maham Javaid and Kim Belware, December 15th. So literally... The article was written two days ago. Brittany Watts was still hooked up to an IV sick for almost a week from a potentially fatal miscarriage when a detective from the Warren Police Department in Ohio stepped into her hospital room. He assured her that she wasn't in any trouble. Foreshadowing. For more than an hour, Detective Nick Carney interviewed Watts, 33, about the details of that morning and the whereabouts of the nearly 22-week-old fetus that was declared non-viable two days earlier. As Watts described miscarrying in her bathroom, a nurse at Mercy Health, St. Joseph Warren Hospital, rubbed her shoulders and told her everything would be okay. 
Watts told the Washington Post in a series of text messages. Two weeks later, Carney arrested Watts on charges of felony abuse of a corpse for how she handled the remains of her pregnancy. If indicted and found guilty, she faces up to a year in prison along with a fine of up to $2,500, her lawyer said. To describe Watts's experience, the Washington Post This reviewed, is graphic. Hello. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This uh -huh. is graphic. Reviewed police reports, call recordings, uh, and more than 600 pages of medical records, interviewed her lawyer, and spoke to Watts via text message. The arrest has outraged healthcare professionals and reproductive rights activists, many of whom fear that the stigmatization and criminalization of a woman's reproductive-related outcomes is expanding in the 18 months since the Supreme Court reversed a nearly 50-year precedent that gave women the constitutional right to an abortion. Even before restrictions from the Dobbs decision took hold, low-income women and women of color, particularly black women, were disproportionately criminalized while pregnant. And they also have a, a higher infant and mother mortality rate for childbirth and post- well, yeah. Everywhere, but significantly greater in southern states, which, yeah. yeah. As many as 30% of pregnancies end in miscarriages, which is also way higher than, than anyone talks about. Than anyone talks mm -hmm. about. Like, I, I grew up in the South, did grade school in the South. Like, our version of, like, the pregnancy talk and sex ed was, like, here's a video of all the worst STI cases ever. Um, here's what a cross-section of the uterus and the female reproductive system looks like. Here's what a cross-section of the men's look like somehow something happens where they get together and then ta-da, a baby forms. But we didn't study in detail a lot about pregnancy. So to me, I'm assuming that a lot of people who are just average Mississippians probably don't know that 30% of pregnancies is like very damn near half. Well, it's one third about. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so usually in the first trimester and often before a woman knows she's pregnant, late miscarriages such as Watts's are relatively rare and doctors say that there's no clear guidance for how fetal remains should be handled in the past seven years ohio is among several states that enacted laws mandating that products of pregnancy be buried or cremated yes this this was a this was a a big talking point they were gonna they ohio passed this law where you have to like respectfully in you know christian conservative ideas mm -hmm. you have to legally bury a fetus or the remains like even if it's a puddle of tissue i know that that sounds disgusting um but you have to bury it or cremate it properly you can't just like dispose of it in a medical facility apparently and although these rules typically apply to a healthcare setting such as the clinic or doctor's office rather than individuals who experience a pregnancy loss at home or elsewhere a judge last year blocked ohio's law from being enforced pending a legal battle Moving this over to the individual after a miscarriage just heightens the question, what are they supposed to do, said Dov Fox, a national health law and bioethics expert at the University of San Diego School of Law. If it's already difficult for hospitals for individuals facing difficult circumstances and navigating pregnancy loss to undertake the medical system is not just a tall order but a prohibitive one. Watts learned later through her lawyer that the nurse who had reassured her had reported her to the police. Oh, oh my gosh. That's giving Handmaid's Tale. Also, the detective going in and not saying what he's there for was really grimy. Well, I'm sure it's yeah. legal, but... Mm -hmm. 
Neither healthcare workers nor law enforcement officials dispute that Watts' pregnancy loss was natural, and the coroner's report determined that the fetus was uninjured, but a Trumbull County grand jury is now investigating her case. Watts said that along with mourning her loss, she is also dealing with how her, quote, life was turned upside down, and quote, the day law enforcement was asked to intervene. I am grieving the loss of my baby, she told the Post this week. I feel anger, frustration, and at times shameful. Watts, a medical receptionist at a different hospital, had woken in pain on the morning of September 22nd at her home in Warren, Ohio, about an hour east of Cleveland. She tried walking around indoors, but it didn't lessen the pressure she felt in her abdomen. Watts was in her bedroom when she delivered a roughly 15-ounce fetus over the toilet. At the time, she said she didn't know that at 5.48 a.m. her life would change forever, end quote. Also, if it's deceased, is it a fetus still? Is that, like... I mean, like fetal tissue, yeah. Okay. yeah. The delivery left a mess of blood, stool, tissue, and other bodily fluid clogging the toilet. Watts scooped out what she believed was stopping the toilet and placed it outdoors near the garage, cleaned the bathroom, and showered records show. To maintain appearances to her mother, whom she had not told about the pregnancy, Watts drove to a hair appointment, said Tracy Timko, Watts's attorney. The hairdresser noticed Watts' pale face and immediately called her mother to take her to the hospital. It was Watts' fourth pregnancy-related trip to the hospital that week. When a hospital nurse asked Watts where the fetus was, Watts told her and later the police that the fetus was outdoors near the garage. Watts added that she didn't look inside the toilet to make sure. Also, if you <laughs> miscarry on the toilet... What are you supposed to what, do? What the hell else are you supposed to yeah. do? Like, like we're going to... Uh, I'm Obviously, they're going to keep reading, but they're literally trying to take her um, to criminal court and charge her with abuse of a corpse because she miscarried a dead fetus over a toilet and didn't know what to do. And of course, like, you don't know what the f to do. That's such a traumatic experience. There's... And and that's something I want to talk about, too. But quickly, there are so many people who, when I was uh, working in the emergency department, would come in and they'd have a miscarriage over a toilet or something and or they'd have it um, into a pad, whatever. And they'd be like, I passed this clot of blood, not knowing it was fetal tissue. They don't know. You can't look at it. Bloody tissue, and, and especially when it's early on, and be like, oh, that's what that is. What are people supposed to do? This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. And I also want to just throw in here, it is so disgusting that people who, for example, in, in the situation where I performed that one abortion, there, she was already so rightfully upset that she was losing this pregnancy, um... In a, in a very difficult circumstance, had to undergo this procedure, everything, to then also throw on this burden of, you have to clear it before a judge now. You have to go to court, and you might get or, fined, Or the way that jail. you decide to yeah. get rid of your trauma yeah. is somehow the state's business yeah. and some moral, ethical superiority feels the need to put you in your place and tell you how you should have taken care of your own miscarriage. But that's, it's just like now people, not only do they have to make a decision about their health, the fetus's health, all this stuff, but the, you're also having to put people through the extra trauma of going to court, which is big. People going to court. I've, I've been on the, the receiving end of a, of a lawyer issue once and it's scary i cried a lot yeah okay like i and I, it wasn't even your fault no, like, the, yeah. the organization that was 
taking you to court was the one that screwed up. Yeah. And so it was this money thing. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying. It was a school. You and we're have, not happy with them. You still. have to, like, like no one, no one is caring about the trauma that all of this causes. Deciding to have an abortion is already a traumatic experience. No one is just like, woo, here I go. And to then now involve the court system is just making it. Ugh. Anyway, keep going. I'm yeah. so when a hospital nurse asked where the fetus was, uh, Watts told her and later the police said it was outdoors near the garage. She added that she didn't look inside the toilet to make sure a hospital note written and signed by the nurse said, quote, advised by risk management to contact Warren City Police to investigate the possibility of the infant being in a bucket at the patient's residence, end quote. The next record shows the infant. nurse called the police. The infant? Yeah, the infant. The, mm. de the, the stillborn fetal tissue. Just shows that that nurse doesn't know what she's talking because about. Because an infant is yeah. at what age range? Well, in, first of all, I think it's after a month because you're a neonate until you're, I think, 28 days old. Okay. And so this nurse doesn't know what she's, she's talking when she's wrong, documenting. Yeah. The wrong medical mm -hmm. nomenclature. Good yeah. to know. Quote, I had a mother who had a delivery at home and came in without the baby, and she says the baby's in her backyard in a bucket, end quote. The nurse said, according to a call re recording obtained by the Post, quote, I need to have someone go find this baby, it's not a baby, or direct me on what I need to do, end quote. She's making it sound like the the mother had a delivery and then, like, of, killed it. Of, yeah. And then <laughs> and hit was it like, somewhere. I don't want this fully formed baby. I'm just going to put it in a bucket. This infant. Yeah. Um, I will say, not that I want to defend this nurse at all, but clearly in Ohio, they're under this, like, authoritarian regime that is slowly building power by mm -hmm. passing these, these really scientifically ignorant and illiterate nuanced laws that are looking for those little bits where they can get people. Um. I can understand as being a teacher, when I hear something that sounds even a little bit shady from, like, a student or another mm -hmm. teacher, like, sometimes you feel obligated because of the system that you're in that, like, to protect my salary and my source of income yeah. and my legal standing, I have to, like, alert authorities. I don't always agree with it, but it's, like, if that's the system that you're in, it's, like, the balance between... No, part of it is I'm sure she was just doing her job. Like under the new rules to now, protect some her, some to of protect these her, can well, make yeah. it sound like. But to protect her medical license and everything, her her nursing license, yeah. she she's probably like, oh gosh, with well, these they new should look at I, that approval. Well, if she yeah. doesn't know what an infant is. Okay, anyway, a spokesperson for Mercy Health, Maureen Richmond, declined to comment. Quote: Out of respect for patient privacy. End quote. Obviously. So, um, two weeks later, on October 5th, Detective Carney drove to Watts' home and placed her under arrest. Watts said that until then, she didn't even realize she had been charged with abuse of a corpse. The law, which outlines that, quote, no person except as authorized by law shall treat a human corpse in a way that would outrage reasonable community sensibilities, end quote, has been used before in Ohio in relation uh, to women's reproductive health. In 2019, a Warren County, Ohio woman was found guilty of abuse of a corpse in connection with the death of her newborn daughter. Her defense lawyer said the baby was stillborn. A judge put the woman on probation for three years, but her probation was terminated after roughly a year, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer. According to Alwyn Conway, a professor of law at Ohio State University, go Buckeyes, gross, quote, abuse of a corpse, um, historically falls under a broader law against grave robbing given the statute's history she questions whether prosecutors are applying the law as it was intended 
Prosecution stemming like from pregnancy everything. loss occurred yeah. in the Roe v. Wade era, but post-Dobbs, prosecutors feel they have more leeway to pursue such cases under statutes such as abuse of a corpse or concealment of a birth. Concealment of a birth. Said Kylie Sunderland, legal support director of If, When, How, a nonprofit network of reproductive justice lawyers. Those statutes, Sunderland said, tend to be ambiguous, archaic, and never intended to be used against someone who experiences a pregnancy loss. There was one point I wanted to make, but I wanted to finish reading that chunk. The law outlines, again, quote, no person except as authorized by law shall treat a human corpse in a way that would outrage sensible community sensibilities, end quote. Community sensibilities. Reasonable com- community Very sensibilities. Very vague. It's Let me just say that. The the way that laws are in, supposed to, in, in theory, be written is in a way that they don't need extemporaneous interpretation. When you write vague laws, you get vague and completely different interpretations based on it's like a judge's the drag poli- ban. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think that law is specific enough to where it can be used to be enforced against women like this. Because, mm-hmm. and and then it's basing its precedent off of previous ones about grave robbing back when, like, anyway. Um, Timco said that Watts is being punished, Timco being the attorney, I think, uh, because police and prosecutors do not understand the natural and common process of a miscarriage. Watts, who has no criminal record, is being demonized for something that goes on every day, Timco said, at the hearing in Warren Municipal Court on November 2nd, according to WKBN, the city of Warren is part of Trumbull County. George Sturbens, a forensic pathologist, testified that an autopsy found no injury to the fetus and that the fetus had died before passing through the birth canal. This fetus was going to be non-viable, and the fetus was too young to be delivered, Sturbens said. Warren Assistant Prosecutor Louis Guarnieri, who did not respond to the Post's uh, request for comment, said in court that the case is about what happened after the miscarriage. Yeah, when it really matters, right? (laughs) Quote, the issue isn't how the child died, when the child died. It's the fact that the baby was put into a toilet, large enough to clog up a toilet, left in that toilet, and she went on with her day. She literally said that she took what was in the toilet and clogging it and put it outside. So first of all, he's got his facts wrong based on what she said. Also, if the issue is it going into the toilet in the first place, she... So she it's illegal for her to have a miscarriage and, and uh, squeeze her abdomen over a toilet. Look, if you're having cramping in your abdomen, aren't you going to run to the toilet? That's all so I'm it's saying. So it's illegal yeah. to poop now because yeah. there was stool in it too. Yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. This lady's business is all over the news well, and yeah. I feel bad for her. <laughs> Sunderland and others who criticize Watts' arrest question the public safety value of her prosecution. That is a great point. If we're going to base laws off of reasonable community expectations, well, what is what is the what is the end goal here? What is the point in prosecuting her? How did she hurt anybody else? She didn't. And it doesn't affect anybody else. But somehow the prosecutor decides to use taxpayer dollars to do this. Continuing the article, quote, this is a prosecutor believing that they're the arbiters of what's in the public interest, in quote, Sunderland said, quote, but they're prosecuting someone over a pregnancy outcome. Who are they actually protecting, end quote. 
Tim Coe said the case is now about defining the term corpse. Ohio's laws do not define corpse, and without a definition, the public is left to argue the issue, she said. Perfect. Perfect. So we're just stacking on laws onto, like, a foundation that's made of, like, crackers and air. Um, in most cases, criminal law applies to persons who are defined as humans who are viable, Tim Coe said. In Brittany's case, she knew the fetus was not viable and was told by medical professionals so before police began to investigate Watts, the medical office receptionist had spent the three previous days in and out of the hospital as her pregnancy faltered. By the time she was uh, she first visited the hospital on September 19th, Watts already suspected she was miscarrying. She was passing large clots of blood and describing her pain as intense, according to her medical records. Doctors confirmed her suspicions, telling her that although there was fetal cardiac activity, the pregnancy was not viable. Watts left the hospital that day against medical advice telling the doctor she could better process what was happening to her at home. The next morning, Watts returned expecting to be induced to deliver her preterm pregnancy. Abortion is currently legal up to 22 weeks of pregnancy in Ohio. For the week eight, uh, for the next eight hours, doctors and officials determined the ethics of inducing labor for a woman. They debated for eight hours whether they were going to help this woman or not, or not because, the, because of the laws and this authoritarian regime in these red states. Instead of actually um, using their knowledge and their ability to help their patient, they had to argue about it for a full day's uh, mm -hmm. shift before they could decide what to do. Um before they determined the ethics of inducing labor for a woman who had been diagnosed with preterm premature rupture of membranes, PPROM, had no detectable amniotic fluid, was bleeding vaginally, and had advanced cervical dilation. One doctor was particularly blunt about the urgency of inducing Watts' delivery. My recommendation, instead of waiting until mom is de on death's door mm -hmm. before proceeding with treatment, is to deliver this baby by inducing, the doctor wrote. Seven hours later, Watts still had not been induced. She wanted to leave, according to medical records. Finally, when the doctor returned to the hospital room to discuss the induction plan, records state Watts' bed was empty and her IV bag you was know stripped over the railing. Me? The doctor that was there on shift refused to do it, and that's why it took exactly eight hours for the next doctor to show up before they would actually do it. Um... At home, the pain and the bleeding wouldn't let up, prompting Watts to briefly return to the hospital the next day, but she again left against medical advice after not being able to see her OBGYN soon enough. Um, it was during Watts's next visit to the hospital on September 22nd that her status would change from patient, patient to potential criminal uh, suspect. Although miscarriage is common, it is nonetheless an isolating experience, doctors say. When it comes to fetal remains, the guidance outside a healthcare setting is murky. As to the disposal of fetal remains after abortion or miscarriage at home, I know of nothing. Fox, the University of San Diego School of Law bioethics, bioethics expert, set of guidelines. This is not an area where you're going to find best practices from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention or the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists. Cassing Hammond, an OBGYN and associate professor at Northwestern University's medical school, said that an outcome such as Watts, a second trimester rupture of membranes, is not uncommon. Quote, while her process for the disposal of remains may be unusual, the actual clinical scenario the patient faced is not unusual and is something any pregnant person could confront, end quote, Hammond said. And although OBGYNs would prefer people be in a healthcare setting during a second trimester pregnancy loss, Quote, anyone experiencing a miscarriage has the possibility of passing that at home, end quote. Uh -huh. 
Another quote, the right person for the patient to call is the doctor, not the police, end quote, Hammond added, quote, calling the police on a patient going through this kind of traumatic experience is not therapeutic, end quote. For Watts, the trauma of miscarrying could stretch well into next year as she awaits the decision of a grand jury tasked with pouring over one of her most life-altering moments. Apart from the emotional upheaval, Watts is struggling to pay the medical and legal bills that have mounted in the past few months. Although she is filled with anxiety waiting for the grand jury to decide whether she should be indicted for alleged abuse of a corpse, uh, she said she is grateful for support from her community and people across the world. Quote, I pray that my story makes a difference and no other woman faces this reality, she said. However, if it comes to that, she has my support. The thing about this story coming from a medical perspective that is so ridiculous to me is she should have been induced immediately because when all the signs were there when you have premature preterm sorry preterm the PROM I don't know yeah it's as soon as so what that is is your amniotic sac breaks open yeah they said she had no amniotic fluid I'm like so the baby is not breathing yeah and so um well breathing is not but I know But isn't that where, like, a lot of uh, nutrients and stuff are transferred? Like, like what is the amniotic fluid used for? Because I know the umbilical cord transfers, like, oxygen and blood, so maybe breathing is not the best example. But doesn't it provide some kind of protection? I mean, a lot... Well, yeah, it provides protection, like, because it's what the baby's, like, floating... Or the fetus is floating in. Right, without the amniotic fluid, what happens to the fetus? So the issue with that is... um when their membranes rupture and all the amniotic fluid leaves that creates an environment where bacteria can go up the, the vagina female, the cervix okay, yeah <laughs> female J- reproductive yeah. i know i was just saying and then it it can infect the placenta and the amniotic sac and uh, the chorion everything and then you get chorioamnionitis which is and can be fatal to the mother can that cause so, sepsis? Yeah, Because she does was already passing blood lot. clots, so clearly she had open wounds in there. Well, yeah, but no, I'm just saying, it is, it is, in my opinion, medical malpractice to not make the body expel all of that tissue, because the longer it sits in there, the, the greater risk of sepsis that this woman is under. Because it and festers, death. it yeah. literally sits there. And my mom, sorry mom if you're listening... But had a similar or the I, exact it, same thing? Not the exact same thing. It was after the, a similar thing can happen if you have a baby and then the placenta isn't completely expelled from the body. It can sit there and cause get infected and cause sepsis. And my mom almost died because of that. Like it was like maybe a couple days and she had a 105 degree fever, had to be put Jesus. in like ice bath and everything when she went to the ER like this is really serious stuff. And the fact that they took eight hours to even make the decision, that's eight hours of someone being put at medical risk. And your mom didn't have an abortion. She had a child. No, she had a child. But they yeah. left part of the, the, of placenta. the placenta in yeah. there instead of mm-hmm. taking the time to remove it and make sure that things were Gucci. Just, just further examples of how pregnancy is inherently a health risk and a risk to the mother. So in my opinion, whenever someone's pregnant, they're at risk of death. Always. So, therefore, you should always be able to have an abortion. The female body is not yeah. adapted, is not evolved well to give birth. Like, the hips are wide, but they're not wide enough. 
the muscles rip, there's tearing involved, which can lead to infection easily outside of a medical atmosphere. I mean, it's just like, y'all, pregnancy and if if and until you've worked in a in an OBGYN office or or maybe you've experienced something on your own like of certain degree of scariness, whatever, pregnancy is so dangerous. Why do you think it they have like so weekly dangerous appointments yeah. with the doctor like in the third trimester? Like yeah. you're going to the doctor constantly mm-hmm. because so many things can go wrong with you and the fetus. And so just forcing someone to go through that is disgusting to well, me. Well, and forcing them to like go through it against their will if the if it is against their will, but then also putting all of this legal jeopardy on top of them. It's stacking on top of women indiscriminately or, or I mean discriminately. Um, in ways that were never intended by any legal minds of previous eras, minus like super religio Christian people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, the the religious right is going to get called out in my rant. Don't worry. But this woman, like, I want to talk specifically about the post her miscarriage and this response that she's gotten. And if you have any, if you have any criticisms medically of like what she did because on my end as just a normie who's not in the medical field and also doesn't have uterus i have heard of people miscarrying over a toilet Mm -hmm. never have i heard any conversations about protocol and what you're supposed to do was she supposed to put it in a target bag or a ziploc and take it to the hospital like like why the fuck would you expect someone that has a traumatic experience like that what why First would you all, expect her to do that? They're not going to make a uh, uh even if there was protocol, I wouldn't expect someone to make a completely logical decision under that trump like no! uh, undergoing that experience, but also there I mean I don't think like they were saying there are no guidelines of what to do no, with and, fetal and remains. What it, what it seems like, like to outside me outside the hospital, I mean. What it seems like to me is that there is this religious right, this religious authoritarianism um, that people are trying to pass in these red states with these abortion bans and this Ohio abuse of corpse laws and that you have to bury the fetus or whatever. Not everybody has the same moral, ethical, um, even values of respect that you may have. If that's something that you want to do, if you if you miscarry and you're on the religious right or your wife is on the religious right and y'all want to have a ceremony in some kind of way that respects the loss of life or whatever, that's fine. But if she was dealing with all of this crap for days in the hospital and wasn't being treated properly by doctors and she had a traumatic, painful miscarriage over a toilet... It is up to her whether she wants to honor that fetal tissue and bury it and have like a moment of prayer or if she wants to put it in a giant trash bin and forget it happened so that she can move on with her life after dealing with hospital BS for a week. You cannot. I don't understand how you can legally put your own moral and ethical what you see as an obligation onto somebody else. If that's what I you mean, would, people do that all the time. Yeah, I know, but I, yeah. this this is a thing that, like the article says, doesn't affect anybody else. But now she's having to spend exorbitant amounts of money on uh, legal defenses and is going to work every day wondering if the state is going to, um, or the state already has charged her. Um, a grand jury is going to decide whether there's enough stuff here to take her 
to court. But for what? Because she didn't respect her traumatic experience and the tissue that came out of her body that she created in the way that you deem fit. I, I just don't see how that stands in court. And if it does stand in court and she gets punished for it, um, if you are a woman in Ohio, I would say run. I would say run. I would say if you're a woman in any of these red states these days, run. If you're gay in any of these red states, they're coming after you next. They're not giving up on the whole gay marriage thing and they didn't stop it. They didn't stop at a row. Anyway, here's another article. There's two more before I give my rant. We're not getting to video Obviously, games. Obviously, yeah, no. Okay, so if you're here for video games... Um, so, this is from USA Today. I don't really know where they lean, like, on the bias chart. I don't really care. I don't know either, yeah. She had a baby dying inside her. Under Missouri's abortion ban, doctors could do nothing. That's the title of it. Written by Susan Shook, uh, Springfield News led, uh, leader, October 15th, 2022. So this was a little over a year ago. So right after the Dobbs decision, if I'm correct. Um, Springfield, Missouri, August 2nd. Nearly 18 weeks into her pregnancy, Melissa Farmer experienced what doctors called a preterm premature rupture of membranes. Huh, there we go again. Yeah. Um, and this was a year prior to the Ohio case with, um, what was her name? Brittany? Watts, Miss Watts. Yeah. <laughs> um, her, uh, the Melissa Farmer, this one, uh, her water broke before labor, followed by vaginal bleeding, abdominal pressure, and cramping. Same symptoms. She went to Freeman Hospital in Joplin, Missouri, where she'd uh, just been, where she had been just the day before. Everything had been normal. She and her boyfriend, Matthew McNeil, had already picked out a name for their daughter, Maeve. But the doctors had devastating news for them. If Maeve was delivered right then, chances of survival at 17 weeks and five days were zero, according to the assessment and plan section of Farmer's medical records outlining the visit. And the outcome wasn't much better if they tried to hold off on delivery. The doctors recommended terminating the pregnancy, but 39 days after the state of Missouri banned abortions, that wasn't an option, at least not in Missouri. Post row, Walgreens CVS, Far oh no, that's a link to another story. A year ago, the hospital, <laughs> it's, it's, it's about medications or whatever. A year ago, the hospital could have offered a chance for the couple to say goodbye and hold their daughter, even though they knew she was, she wouldn't survive outside the womb. Instead, Farmer and McNeil were left to make a series of trips across three states and countless phone calls. The couple wanted to be able to grieve the loss of their daughter, not sit at home or in a hospital, quote, with a baby dying inside me, Farmer said. I know it sounds horrible, but we just wanted to finish the process, she said. It doesn't sound horrible at all. Mm -hmm. In the end, Farmer didn't just lose Maeve. She lost her friends and her trust that Missouri would allow medical professionals to do their jobs. It was hard. You could tell the doctors were trying to tell us what we needed to do, but at the same time trying to protect themselves. We're not angry with them, Farmer said. If her vitals plummeted or infection set in or the fetus's cardiac activity stopped, the doctors could intervene, but not before then. But that's what I'm saying. If you know that that's going to happen, as a medical professional, you should be able to prevent that. Preventative medicine. Hello. Why do we have to wait until it could be too late? You know what I mean? It, that doesn't make any sense medically. Quote, current misery law supersedes our medical judgment and the misery law language states that we cannot intervene in the setting of a pregnancy with a positive fetal heart motion unless there is 
a quote, medical emergency, reads Farmer's medical record that August 2nd visit. And I'm just going to interject and say, wow, another law that thinks that a heartbeat means everything is fine and dandy and ignores any other nuance or situation that could come up in complex medical issues. What a <laughs> shocker. Um, but the language outlining, quote, medical emergencies in Missouri revised statute 188.017 is vague, which continues to cause concern as the Missouri government fails to issue any meaningful clarification that carries the full force of the law. Yeah, and that's the because law. they don't know how to, because they're not doctors. Right. So... At 41, Farmer worried that by the time... She was 41 and pregnant? Okay, I'm, I'm not trying to be ageist, but that's <laughs> that's considered a geriatric pregnancy, and I'm, I'm not surprised that something went wrong at that age. The term is advanced age. Advanced age, age yes. Geriatric <laughs> is offensive, yes. At 41, a farmer worried that by the time there was an emergency, it would be too late for both her and Maeve. And even if... Did I just say that? Yeah. Did I just say that? And even if farmer did live through it, she worried about what her recovery would be like. She was already at risks of maternal thrombosis, giving her history of deep vein thrombosis during COVID-19 infection. Infection slash sepsis, severe blood loss, hysterectomy... Um, hysterotomy hysterotomy <laughs> and even mortality according to the medical record even if farmer could carry Maeve another six weeks and deliver her the complete loss of amniotic fluid meant stunted development quote they said because i lost all of my amniotic fluid that my uterus would be deforming our child and if we were able to carry another six weeks she would come out deformed farmer said quote her lungs wouldn't be any more developed than mm -hmm. they were at 17 weeks if she were to develop, she would come out deformed and with major disabilities with breathing, and she'd be on a ventilator for a long time, end quote. The situation was further complicated when doctors found that Farmer's cervix was dilated, which increased chances that she would develop an infection and meant, quote, there was no chance for me to even regain any amniotic fluid, end quote, she said. Freeman Hospital in Joplin said it cannot comment on Farmer's case because it is a patient privacy HIPAA issue, which is hospital policy and also the law. Mm-hmm. Farmer's options were limited in Missouri. Sit and wait in the hospital for however long it took her heartbeat to either stop or for infection to set in and for me to bleed to death. We didn't like those options, end quote. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> Doctors suggested she and McNeil travel out of state to receive care. But, uh, but after calling four hospitals in Illinois and three in Kansas, it seemed no one would take them. They even drove to Kansas University Medical Center in Kansas, Kansas University Medical Center in Kansas City, Kansas. Wow, that was a lot, of, a Kansas. lot of Kansas. Yeah. That same day where she said doctors told her the same thing she'd heard in Joplin. This child is not viable. Your health is at risk. But after consulting with their legal team, farmers said they told her that they wouldn't be able to offer a dilation and evacuation procedure. That's the procedure I performed. A by DNA. The way. Well, it's DNC. DNC. I don't know why they said dilation and evacuate. That's not really the term, but okay. I've yeah. heard evacuating your bowels. <laughs> yeah. Well, our providers evaluate each case individually to development to develop an appropriate treatment plan and then discuss the options and alternatives for care with our patients, said Jill Chadwick, KUMC Director of Media Relations. Quote, there are, uh, those are the medical decisions our physicians are trained to make every day and at the same time always staying within the boundaries set forth by Kansas law, end quote. Farmer returned to Freeman Hospital on August 3rd, staying overnight for observation and looking up stories about water breaking early after a nurse mentioned that antibiotics might allow Farmer to carry to term without infection. Might. Uh, but in re but reality came crashing down when more doctors came to advise them. One newborn intensive care unit doctor, quote, 
went over the whole baby being deformed because their bones are so soft. She would have permanent disabilities the rest of her life, even if she made it, end quote, Farmer said. Quote, but he said, because my cervix was open, there was no chance for me to even make it six weeks, end quote. The thing was, there are things worse than death, and I have seen it. Rather than stay at the hospital to wait for infection to set in, Farmer went home to wait, monitoring her temperature and her pain. On August 4th, she called her state senator, Bill White, and explained her situation to an aide. He told her that's not what the law was designed for. It's designed to protect the woman's life. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Quote, it's not protecting me. We have to wait for the heartbeat to stop. There's no chance for a baby. She's not going to make it. It's putting my life in danger. Farmer said she remembers telling him, we just want to move on and we just want to grieve. The aide told her he would reach out to Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt and also connected her with the Choices Medical Service, which is basically an anti-abortion clinic. And Joplin Farmer said she never heard back about what Schmidt said. Surprising. Um, the people you vote to represent you don't actually give a about mm -hmm. what you're going through. The thing the one doctor said was there are things worse than death and I've seen it. Oh, oh no. why... They redid the I quote, know. but like yeah. afterwards. I'm like, just put it in bold the first time. Choices Medical Services offers pregnancy testing for confirmation of pregnancy, limited obst obst obstetrical ultrasounds. Look at me, I'm learning. STI, STD testing, and prenatal education classes. According to the website, it does not offer nor refer people to abortion services. So it's not Choices. No. Got it. Yeah. We are often contacted by individuals who request an appointment, but their specific needs are out of the scope of our services, said Misha Long, Director of Nursing for Choices Medical Services in Joplin. For these individuals, we clarify our services and offer a referral to a local doctor for prenatal care. So you don't offer choices. You offer one, one uh, side of options. So Farmer's situation turned out to be one such case. Despite the clinic's compassion, they were unable to give any answers to help my medical situation. In my case, it was unhelpful and slowed my progress for actual care. Farmer describes herself as pretty pro-life and Christian. She then did something she never thought she would do, begin looking for abortion clinics. Planned Parenthood in Kansas, she said, was overbooked. They couldn't find anyone in Illinois. It was looking like they would have to travel to Colorado. After reaching out to a couple abortion services that help with finances and facilitating the procedure, one person contacted the Illinois Hope Clinic for Farmer. I got a call an hour and a half later. They said, your case needs to be urgent. Uh, we are going to see you tomorrow, she said. Farmer and McNeil set out for Granite City, Illinois. Early in the morning on August 5th, Farmer began to have back pain while on their way to the place just 15 minutes outside of St. Louis. When she got to the Hope Clinic, she was in labor. After the fact, Farmer said it was almost reassur reassuring that the labor... Uh, came on friends and joplin who knew of the situation had been telling her that she could quote give birth at 17 weeks that they knew people who have done it that i was killing my child end quote um it did my heart good to know i was doing the right thing uh she said as if her body was telling her that it was okay but still the experience was harrowing protesters in front of the clinic echoed the things her friends had told her saying we were killing our baby and we were evil it was awful, you know. We were just going through so much. We didn't want this, but at the same time, we had no choice, Farmer said. Because labor had already set in, what was supposed to be a two-day procedure was cut down to one. The clinic performed the procedure. Farmer McNeil stayed there for one night and then returned home. She went back to her job uh, August 11th. The doctor wanted me to take more time, but we weren't prepared for anything this early. She had already missed more than a week of work, and while her life had to ground, while her life had ground to a halt, there were still bills to pay. 
Farmer and McNeil are still grieving the loss of much-wanted Maeve. Um, Farmer said that they took all the extra steps and extra care they could to ensure the pregnancy was successful. Um, this article's getting a little, a little long, but it, they continue to make the point about how they wanted, um, you know, options for an abortion. And it really doesn't get into the legal, the legality, not that her personal experience isn't important but i think we hit most of it like even at the end of the article they start to define what amniotic fluid is and what happens what the percentage of ruptures is it's it's more of a personal um article than it is one that's scientific and legalistic yeah and then one of the her major quotes towards the end is i haven't lost trust in care but i've lost trust that doctors will be allowed to make the medical decisions that they need to make what we what Trevor's yeah. been saying, mm-hmm. um, I think what what I get most from that article um, is that these red states that pass these abortion bans and laws don't consider what will and can what can and will happen to the mothers. No, they make blanket laws and don't consider any nuance. And then stuff like this happens, and they're like, "Well, oh well." It was God's plan to kill you. Uh, and the fact that it's it's good to have someone from a perspective that's like, I consider myself pro-life. Uh, she's quoted saying that, which we I'll get into why I hate that that title. But she also considers herself a Christian. And I would say that a lot of Christians in the U.S. probably lean towards the pro-life camp, the anti-choice camp, the abortion is always wrong camp. Um but even she knew that, like, this procedure was necessary, that it was it was putting her and the fetus through undue stress. Because if you if you want to sit here and pretend like the fetus is like a fully formed soul, human being, whatever. And some people even argue the fetus can feel pain when you do the abortion. Well, if that's if that's going to be your argument, it on the other side, you think that all this blood clotting and bleeding and loss of amniotic fluid and having soft, unformed body parts and bones isn't going to be painful for them mm-hmm. if they if they can feel a procedure they can feel all that you know what i mean um this is the last article it is kind of long but again i think it's important because especially it comes from florida everyone's favorite psycho state in the u.s so i'm gonna try to read through the big bullet points that gets a little long don't be surprised if i like cut it off because i still have a rant to give <laughs> Um, a Florida. So the title of this one is "Because of Florida Abortion Law, She Carried Her Baby to Term, Knowing He Would Die." This was by Elizabeth Cohen, Karma Hassan, and Amanda Musa from CNN, updated Wednesday, May third, twenty twenty-three. A Florida woman unable to get an abortion in her state carried to term a baby who had no kidneys. Deborah Dorbert's son Milo died in her arms on March third, shortly after he was born, just as doctors had predicted he would. He gasped. For air a couple of times when I held him, said Dorbert, 33. I watched my child take his first breath, and I held him as he took his last one. God, I would be messed up. I would be so messed up. Um, She said her pregnancy was proceeding normally until November, when at 24 weeks, an ultrasound showed that the fetus did not have kidneys and that she had hardly any amniotic fluid. Not only was the baby sure to die, her doctors told her, but the pregnancy put her at especially high risk of Preeclampsia. What's that? A potentially deadly complication. Preeclampsia is when um, 
women like kind of out of nowhere get extremely well there's a lot of things that like that you have to qualify for to have preeclampsia basically blood pressure out of control and then it can evolve into eclampsia which is you have a seizure on top of that and it's deadly yeah to the mother sounds like it yeah her doctors told her it was too late to terminate the pregnancy in florida so they find out the baby the the fetus has no kidneys and i don't know if any of you know this but even fully formed adults can't live without kidneys um her doctor told her it was too late to terminate the pregnancy in Florida, which bans nearly all abortions after 15 weeks. The only options were to go out of state to get an abortion or to carry the baby to full term. And Dorbert and her husband didn't have the money to travel. Are we seeing a, a I, I feel like we should point out before we continue, there's a pattern here. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is the economy not like working for the middle class and things are becoming harder and harder to afford. Um, a lot of these women in these articles are like, average americans like just working a full-time job and they don't have the money to travel interstate wise to get necessary health care much less could they even afford the health care if their state offered it and wasn't like banning them from having rights so it's like of course we're continuing to punch down as the u.s we're punching down on a minority remember women have only had the right to vote for like a hundred years now right wasn't it the 1920s that they got the right to vote yeah something like that um and now we're punching down more on the minority because they have a uterus and for some reason the u.s doesn't think they should have the right to health care it's about control power and control yeah what followed was an agonizing 13 weeks of carrying a baby she knew would die and worrying about her own health it left dobert with severe anxiety and depression you don't say Florida law allows abortions after 15 weeks if doctor if two doctors confirm the diagnosis of a fatal fetal abnormality in writing. But doctors in Florida and states with similar laws have been hesitant to terminate such pregnancies for fear someone will question whether the abnormality was truly fatal. The penalties for violating the law are severe. Doctors can go to prison and face heavy fines and legal fees. And then obviously they probably would never be able to practice in that state again. Well, and that's the issue. So it's not even like... It's hard because even if the doctor thinks it's necessary, it's like anytime they decide to do this and then they sign their name on the certificate, it opens all those legal issues. They could lose their license. And then because they chose to help this one person who needs it, they could lose their license and not be able to help thousands of others. And so it's kind of that toss up like. If if I'm trying to do the most good by as many people as possible, it's even the though train I tracks and the lever, yeah, even though question. I I know I this is necessary for this person, I will be able to do more good if I just don't sign up for this, which is sad. It's sad, but yeah. you also like logically you can't blame them because they're under these authoritarian regimes. It's not like I'm just trying to say it's not always that the doctor is anti-choice and that's why they're making these decisions. There's a lot more that goes into it. Would than... you say medical professionals now obviously across the board they have different religious beliefs and political mm-hmm. beliefs? Would you say that you've got a feeling for how the medical community as a whole leans one way or the other or do they not when it comes to like reproductive care like this it's complex i would say the majority probably um are pro-choice but being where i'm from i went to christian brothers university for pa school um and there were 
a few of my classmates who the day that Roe v. Wade was overturned posted pictures of the, what is that, the Capitol building on their stories and said, God has answered our prayers. And then when I was doing my OBGYN. Yes, God, the Supreme Court of the, uh, God came down here and he overturned the law himself. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I was um, doing my OBGYN rotation, another woman came in. She was 21. She had gone somewhere to get a medically induced abortion at like, I don't know, eight, 10 weeks, something like that. So still very early on. Um, her body expelled most of the tissue, but not all of it. So she needed a DNC. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's unfortunate. Look, and abortion is a complex thing. Yes, there are risks to undergoing an abortion, just like there are risks to carrying a baby to full term. You know, um, I would say there are a lot more risks staying pregnant than having an abortion. But anyway, um, the OBGYN that I was working with after we did the procedure, I also did that procedure. So I've done multiple of them, but this one was the, the, the tissue was completely dead. We just had to get it out. Um, as we're leaving the OR, the OBGYN is like, "Hmm, how about we limit access to abortions more? And then we wouldn't have to be doing this procedure on this 21 year old. And I was like, oh, oh my God. So there definitely are doctors that are anti-choice. <laughs> well, that's not promising. But yeah. <clears throat> I was curious. CNN reached out to Florida State reps Aaron Grawl and Jenna Parsons Malika, Malika, who co-sponsored the state's 15-week ban for comment on Dorbert's situation. Grawl did not respond Persons Malika sent a statement. The intent of the law is quite clear. We are providing mothers with the resources they need to raise healthy children. That's so funny because I have heard zero things about what their resources to needed to raise healthy children. But where? Yeah. Empowering doctors to help their patients make informed decisions and shifting the conversation to valuing life. Oh, to make informed decisions by only by by taking away your rights to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Like we're making it for you. <laughs> off that pisses me off and the fact that it was written by um her name is jenna so i'm assuming she's a woman last month florida governor ron DeSantis signed into law an even more restrictive measure that would sanctimonious that guy too he's such a weirdo too he's a creep um that would ban most abortions in the state after six weeks with an exception for fatal fetal abnormalities which by the way a lot of people don't know they're pregnant that early on. Also, a lot of people don't. Also, the the most likely time that you're going to have a miscarriage if you have one as a pregnant person with a uterus is like at what, 11, 12 weeks? Like that's the first trimester, mm-hmm. right? And that's well, the by most that critical point. Yeah. Right. So most people aren't telling whether or not, like they, they don't know if the pregnancy is going to be fully viable until like that first trimester is over that's like the big hurdle that you want to get over as a pregnant no person. yeah it's like it would be very difficult to make an informed decision by six weeks yeah and again like yeah. you said a lot of people don't even know they're pregnant yeah. at six weeks um can you still have like period symptoms and stuff if you're pregnant or I does mean, it just like cold turkey yeah you can still bleed a little bit but also women who aren't Women who take birth control rarely oh, have yeah. regular 
periods yeah. anyway. Oh, yeah. So they wouldn't know. So it covers up any yeah. that would tell them or whether they were pregnant or not. even if someone is not on birth control, some people only have a period every, every couple months. See, this is why men need to be informed on these issues because I've, I've never needed birth control. I've never yeah. had a risk of pregnancy and I don't have a uterus. So, like, I don't know that i know that birth control is super common like the I pill know, but i don't know what it does to women's say, bodies i know a ton of people who have gone six weeks without having a period and they're not pregnant so by that <clears throat> point a lot of women would be like hmm that's weird but i'm probably not going to stress about it until it goes on for longer and then it's way I too know late people, in states like i know this. in high school and stuff girls who would go without having a period for a year. Now that's not healthy. No. But it's like there are there are so many reasons why someone may not have a period in like 6 weeks that it would be very I don't know. A person what I'm saying is at 6 weeks without a period, I don't think a ton of people would be like I'm pregnant. Yeah. Some people would, but so uh DeSantis signed uh, an abortion ban in the state uh, after six weeks with an exception for fetal, fatal fetal abnormalities. The law won't go into effect until the state Supreme Court overturns its president on abortion or tosses out a case challenging state abortion restrictions. This was written, again, May 3rd, 2023. So there's probably been an update since then. Doctors scrambled to figure out abortion laws. Deborah met Lee in 2014 while they were working at Publix Lakeland, Florida. There she was a clerk and he was a team leader in the grocery department. They married three years later and their son Caden was born a year after that. Last year, the couple was thrilled when they found out they were going to have a second child. On the day before Thanksgiving, when she was 23 weeks pregnant, Dorbert brought Kate uh, Kaden to an ultrasound appointment. The four-year-old was enthralled, looking at the screen, following along with the ultrasound technician as she pointed out the baby's features. He'd go, yeah, there's the eye, or there's the hand, Dorbert remembered. He was excited that he could see the baby on the monitor. But abruptly, the technician stopped pointing at the screen and left the room to get the obstetrician. Her obstetrician's ultrasound report that day shows a grim diagnosis. There was no right kidney, and it was unclear whether there was a left kidney. In addition, the baby had too little amniotic fluid, and the heart was swollen. The obstetrician referred Dorbert to a high-risk pregnancy expert. Because of the holiday, it took a week before the Dorberts could get in to see the specialist. They said a more detailed ultrasound at the appointment showed that the baby had no kidneys at all and that the lungs were underdeveloped. The condition is called Potter syndrome, and the specialist said it was incompatible with life, Deborah remembers. She says the doctor told her the baby would be stillborn or would die within minutes or at most hours after birth. In this situation, doctors in states that allow abortions routinely give parents two options, according to Dr. Erica Werner, uh, chair of the Department of Obstetrics obstetrics and gynecology at tufts medical center and a spokesperson for the society of maternal fetal medicine one is to induce birth and if the baby is born alive offer comfort care until death the other is to carry the baby to full term the dorberts told the specialist that they wanted to induce birth terminating the pregnancy to spare the baby themselves and their older son from suffering they said the doctor agreed that that was uh, a sound decision Doctor, uh, or Dorbert says the doctor told her that in all the cases he'd seen, that was always the outcome. Someone's baby went stillborn and the ones that did deliver the babies passed shortly after birth. But the doctor said 
he would need to check with his administration because of the Florida law that had gone into effect a few months before, banning most abortions after 15 weeks. Mm -hmm. The law makes an exception if two physicians certify in writing that in reasonable medical judgment, the fetus has a fatal fetal abnormality, which the law defines as, quote, a terminal condition that in reasonable medical judgment, regardless of the provision of life-saving medical treatment, is incompatible with life outside the womb and will and will result in death upon birth or imminently thereafter, end quote. About a month passed without a decision. Finally, Dorbert's obstetrician informed her that she wouldn't terminate the pregnancy. By this point, Dorbert was uh, 27 weeks uh, along. Dr. Stephanie Ross, a high-risk pregnancy expert in Tampa and a spokesperson for the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine, said she's not surprised that the doctor was unwilling to do the termination, considering that the law does not spell out exactly what would be considered a, quote, terminal condition, end quote. And so that's what I talked about. Like, you're putting your license on the line and getting fined, going to jail, whatever, if you misinterpret the law. And also, the law is not clear enough to interpret it correctly, so. Yeah, uh, but what I don't understand as a normie is like, to me, it's very clear that this quote from the written law, reasonable medical judgment, fetus has a fatal fetal abnormality, a terminal condition, reasonable medical judgment, regardless of the provision of life-saving medical is incompatible with life outside the womb and will result in death upon birth or imminently thereafter. All of that is true in her case. But what does imminent mean? I know because what if I know because what if they could because what if they could hook the the baby up to dialysis and have dialysis work as her kidneys and then she'd be able to survive and or a ventilator it's it's all these what ifs that they're relying on to like they act the thing with these laws is that I'm noticing that they're acting and the the. I'm acting. I'm acting. I'm Sorry, acting. it's not <gasps> funny, but I. <laughs> um, these laws and the people writing them are acting as if they're giving women all of these options, and that the, the laws are just written to make sure that we're protecting the most babies. But we understand that, like sometimes, no, they're you, written you'll to need, protect the mother. You, you'll need options and stuff, but but they're so vague, and they're using this vagueness in these these um these abilities to interpret the law in such a limited way. That it scares medical professionals from being able to make decisions that they think will be the best for their patients. Um, so, quote, with healthcare, there are very few black and whites. There are so many things that are a little bit nuanced, she said. The moment the law came out, I think everyone was scrambling to try to figure out exactly what language intended, what, exactly that, oh my god, to figure out what exactly that language intended to convey. If a doctor is convicted of running afoul of the law, the penalties are severe, up to five years in prison and $5,000 in fines, not to mention steep legal fees. Ross, an associate professor at the University of South Florida, said that after the law was passed, she and colleagues at Florida Academic Medical Centers wrote a list of conditions they considered fatal fetal abnormalities. Renal agenesis, the absence of kidneys, was on the list. For that reason, she said she would feel comfortable terminating a pregnancy with a fetus with this condition, but she absolutely understands why doctors who aren't at academic medical centers, such as Dorbert's obstetrician, would refuse. It's tricky because of how this law was written in the first place. That's how they get you. In Dorbert's situation, part of that trickiness has to do with the pregnancy 10 years ago of a woman she's never met. In 2012, Jamie Herrera Butler, Butler, then a Republican U.S. Congresswoman from Washington State found out she was pregnant with a baby who, like Dorbert's, had Potter syndrome. The condition affects more than just the kidneys. Functioning kidneys produce amniotic fluid, which a fetus breathes, 
that's in air quotes because they don't actually breathe it into their lungs. And if there's not enough, the lungs don't develop properly. In the womb, the baby can live with underdeveloped lungs because the placenta provides oxygen. But after birth, the baby is on their own. During the pregnancy, Herrera Butler Butler, and her husband Dan heard the baby's heartbeat on an ultrasound. That's pretty convincing. We know she's still alive, Dan Butler told CNN in 2017. We have this gut feeling of there has to be something. The couple sought out an experimental treatment at Johns Hopkins Medicine in which doctors transfused saline solution into the uterus to help mimic amniotic fluid. Let's also just clarify again this is a congressperson so of course she so has access to johns hopkins to, yeah. yeah normal people don't get mm-hmm. that normal people can't even get doctors for eight yeah. hours to answer their questions after a series of weekly infusions their daughter abigail was born 12 weeks prematurely she survived on dia- dialysis until she was big enough for a hey, kidney transplant I said dialysis. From... oh but also she needed a kidney transplant yeah. from her father mm-hmm. like you you can sit there and act all high and mighty like you would give up anything for your kid if you're one of those people more power to you but expecting a parent to go under the knife and give up a kidney as if maybe they don't as if they'll never have any medical conditions to then give it to a child which also i'm sure that kidney was way too big for the kid how do you transplant an adult kidney into like like a a baby a neonate yeah they did it though um, I just, I just think that's beyond reasonable expectation for any child. Yeah, but technically, there's not imminent death if that's an option. But you can't force no, somebody I to know. give their organ. You I, know, I that's know. Why you I'm donate. just saying that's what the issue is. Is that stories like this, which are one in a million, yeah, very, could then be used as a reason to convict someone. Because, well, what if you did carry the baby to term and then you could do a kidney transplant and dialysis and then the baby would be alive? And my arguments are all like, those are all hypotheticals. Like, what's yeah. happened has happened. It doesn't affect you. <laughs> oh. Anyway. <laughs> um, in a 2019 essay in the Wall Street Journal, Herrera Butler wrote that Abigail was a healthy, happy big sister. Though Through divine intervention and some courageous doctors, we now have Abigail in our lives. Herrera Butler, now a strategic advisor to the Children's Hospital Association, did not respond to comments or request for comment on the story. Abigail's parents have said she is the first baby without kidneys to survive childbirth. The 2014 Hopkins News release called Abigail's survival a medical marvel. Um, okay. In 2017, Hopkins and I several... think the rest of the story is... Oh, it's, it's, it's not about ex- the person? I mean, it kind of is, but well, it's explaining is. what Potter syndrome is and then... Oh, okay, giving a little bit more... And then it talks about Dorbert, the person that the article was actually written about, and kind of the process, um, and that she... Well, no, hold on. There's more. There's more. Yeah, I would go down to the... He passed away in Okay, my so she goes through all of this, and she's trying to decide, and they see him moving and all this stuff. Um. And how they were having to talk to their other living child about how they probably were not going to um, be able to deliver the baby and that he shouldn't get too excited and all this stuff. So once she got to 37 weeks, Dorbert's obstetrician told her they could induce labor. The night before delivery, they told Caden that the baby had died and he broke down crying. Um, The next day after birth, Milo looked more on the blue side. He gasped for air, and you could tell he was really trying hard to breathe, she remembers. 
His parents and Deborah's parents cuddled him for 94 minutes before he took his last breath. They were making sure he felt loved and wasn't in pain, even though I knew he was in pain. Leo, uh, Lee sang Milo, Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. Uh, read him a book, I'll Love You Forever. He didn't open his eyes at all when we held him and he passed away in my arms. Milo's tiny hand and footprints were taken and memorialized inside the front cover of the book. She said she knows it would have been emotionally wrenching if the pregnancy had been terminated when her baby's birth defect was first spotted at 24 weeks, but being forced to carry the baby for 13 more weeks knowing that he would die made it even more horrific. Those 13 weeks led to anxiety and depression, debilitating back pain. Um, Deborah is angry at politicians whom she blames for forcing them to experience those gut-wrenching 13 weeks. Um, I can't go through another trauma like this pregnancy. I felt the baby the whole time. And that's pretty much the end of that article. And then another quote is, I think they need to leave it up to doctors to treat each and every one of their patients the way they need to be treated. That's why medicine is not a one-size-fits-all. Hello. And then she also said, I don't think polit politicians have a place in healthcare. That's why we have doctors. Yeah, if anything, this article just... It, it it shows how blatantly how there's this blatant disregard from these non-medical professionals who are writing medical laws, which is already kind of an oxymoron, right? There's a blatant disregard for, like, the nuance or what people go through or even just being a f***ing <laughs> human being. She wasn't going to, like... Even if she wanted to terminate the pregnancy due to a disability and a birth defect, this one, that's her right. Well, I mean, just, not in certain states. No, but, well, yeah. no, it should be her mm -hmm. right. You're right. <clears throat> her right. You're right. But it was deadly. It was either going to be terminate the pregnancy now with DNC or carry it to term hold your baby while it gasps for air and is probably in so much pain. And they said that one of the reasons they decided they de they decided to ultimately make the decision to carry it to term and then induce labor was because they weren't sure if they were going to go to jail or be fined if they had made the other decision so so these politicians completely ignore the human aspect a child that you're not going to have to hold but you're going to find ways to force people to give birth to children that are, are, are babies they're not children yet neonates whatever newborns that you're then forcing the mother to have to witness and see it die no parent wants to see their their children die you're supposed to succeed your parents right mm -hmm. so it's already horrible if there's a traumatic event and a parent loses a child um or a teenager whatever why would you write a law that forces women to give birth to a baby that they know is going to die and that they're going to have to witness and see and take part of like they it's Again, not just going to be in a room on its own and then also not even it's all horrible. of that but put them through all the weeks leading up to it at which they're at risk of having pregnancy complications that could ultimately result in their death it's ho it's yeah. horrible and so now it's time for the rant the rant is much shorter than the articles, but um, get ready because I'm, I'm like, I'm letting the, the like I'm a podcast host, and most of the time I'm gonna like, oh, I'll let a word slip here or there, I'll get excited about something, but like, I never get angry on the pod. I'm going to get <laughs> angry, and I just want to preface it by saying 
if you want to clip any part of this and use it, um, we're going to share shorts and clips of this rant. I will be happy to be the person that you share this with, um, like share it to people who you don't want to have the conversation with. But like, if you're on board with what we've been saying, the science, the humanity, the legal jargon, um, if you're in agreement with us, I hope you like this rant. I planned it. Okay. Um, again, I wanted to do this rant because women need to have men on their side um, that will help defend their rights because there are men that are and women that are trying to take away their rights. And it just gets me so infuriating reading all these stories and hearing about them. And again, it was the Texas one that got me the most that a U.S. citizen had to leave a state to seek asylum in like medically necessary health care because the state refuses to acknowledge that not every fetus is viable. Um, so here goes. Texas made it illegal for a grown-ass woman who pays more taxes than churches do because they're somehow still tax-exempt in what is supposedly the freest country in the world and the bastion of democracy to decide what happens with her body, her health, and her sometimes terminally ill fetus. These states believe that women are so incompetent and so beneath some made-up moral and ethical superiority that they can't possibly make decisions for themselves. To be very clear... Republicans, the party of supposedly small government and anti-regulation, feel it necessary to then become authoritarian when it suits their needs, when it comes to women's rights to their own bodies, their own uteruses. Even when a fetus is not viable or would die soon after birth, these conservatives with the superiority complex go out of their way to make it illegal for the, specifically this Texas mother to avoid putting herself or her child through irreparable trauma and pain. The old saying, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, came to mind when I was reading these articles. The Republicans are very happy and very content sitting on their thrones, throwing out the ba the baby and the bathwater and the mom along with it. If something goes wrong, ah, it doesn't matter if they all die. We'll throw the baby and the mom out with the bad bathwater, right? There's no point in trying to save any of them because we don't actually give a f*** about life. Um... These are the same people, the ones who are writing all these abortion ban laws, these Republicans, these conservatives. These are the same people who threaten to riot and be violent if the government ever comes after their precious and loved obsession. Guns! Weapons of mass destruction, which in this case I would consider guns considering how many lives they take away every single day, every single year, from innocent people, including children in school in this country— Guns are considered more important and literally have more freedoms than actual real-life human beings, women. You can go get a gun at gun shows in several states without proper training, without licenses, without putting it on government documents so that they can track it. There are so many guns out on the streets in Memphis, for example, like uh, the whole ghost gun mm. epidemic. Somehow guns have more free reign in, in these red states than women seem to with all of these abortion bans. And I just find that hypocrisy really rich. Somehow unborn fetuses, whether they are viable and healthy or otherwise, are somehow more important than any other life that is affected by gun violence, by lack of healthcare access, by lack of homing resources, by lack of job security. The list is honestly endless. And I bring up more points further into my rant. 
I am sick and tired of the hypocrisy of the false logic of this both sides argument. There's no, there's not both sides to this anymore. They've completely extremified this to where there is no there's no two sides to it. You're just so crazy in the right conservative wing that nothing that you do about these laws is logical whatsoever. Conservatives that support abortion bans and no other form of regulation to save people's lives are full of sh They're in it for the votes from their evangelical voters, and somehow they think that they're superior to everybody else. And I hate everything that these people stand for and claim to believe in. I am so done playing nice and turning the other cheek to avoid confrontation on the issue in my everyday life. I'm absolutely done. Let somebody bring up the abortion topic to me going forward after reading all these articles about what these poor women have gone through. Absolutely not. You will get a full-faced red rant in real life. Get her, Jade. I'm, I'm done. I told mm -hmm. you I'm done. I know. An innocent woman who had an unfortunate genetic mutation in her fetus was possibly sentenced to death or permanent infertility by the Texas Supreme Court. Not the Texas Board of Doctors, the Texas Supreme Court, a bunch of f***ing <laughs> lawyers, just for being pregnant. They took her freedom and liberty to decide what is best for her health and life and give her no other options other than to risk her life by staying in the state or leaving for asylum to another state to receive what the medical community deems as necessary health care. The state has yet to issue rulings on whether they would prosecute women that left the state and came back because they are state citizens. I have seen protesters in person at healthcare clinics that offer reproductive health services. Yes, abortion clinics. I've seen videos and photos of protesters and people praying outside the Supreme Court during the big news cycles about the Dobbs decision. I talked about that. I've <laughs> never seen a group of protesters and people praying on their knees at a school trying to pray for the safety of students every day from gun violence i don't see them lobbying congress people every single day in their state capitals at their homes at all this stuff i'm not calling on people to go to their homes just fyi to c cover my legal bases but i don't see these people out there protesting ever, uh, when there are guns being brought into schools on a regular basis children are being gunned down in their classrooms but i'll see all these crazy fanatics these religious fanatics go sit there and pray and have these <laughs> demonstrations out when the supreme court decides to do something so uh, forgive me if i don't believe in your pro life bull because it's hypocritical Sanctity of life, my ass. Your religion means nothing if you ignore the lives that are actually here and dying from unnecessary violence. The U.S. is reactionary in too many aspects of crime and justice, gun violence specifically, yet they'll focus their tax dollars and their energy on controlling women and what uh, they need to do with their health care and their uteruses. If people continue to vote, uh, continue to vote and allow these people to hold power and write laws and be in office in a statewide or national setting, the foundations of whatever democratic republic we think we have is absolutely eroded and does not exist. If you're voting for conservatives because you care about your guns or you care about your economic, uh, I'm not even going to say economic stability because voting for them doesn't help anybody except themselves and the billionaires. So if you think that you're going to make more money by voting for conservatives or you care about your freedom to the Second Amendment, um, whatever else you're voting for Republicans for, you hate immigrants, whatever. But 
then you're like, oh, well, I don't hate women. I think they should have the opportunities, but you're not fucking voting for them. Then miss me with your the, the rest of your logic, the rest of your reasoning. If you're putting these people in office, you are the problem. You were the reason half of the American population, because that's how genetics works, if you didn't know, um, it's like a 50-50 split between XX chromosomes and XY, just in case you scientifically illiterate um, people don't know that. Um, if you're voting these people into office, you are the reason that half of the American population does not have equal rights and will potentially die just because of the way their bodies were made. Because you refuse to give them the opportunities to make healthcare decisions for themselves. These abortion ban states force women to bring babies into the world just so they can experience a failing healthcare system, pay exorbitant taxes to a government who won't give half of them rights, to potentially die in a school shooting at a young age because the adults in power won't protect them, and if they survive, they might watch their friends die instead. Women in abortion states are being treated as incubators for the workforce. Just listen to the guy the Republicans voted for to be their leader in the House of Representatives, Mike Johnson. He himself was on video saying women are needed to produce babies for the workforce and the economy. Stop voting for conservatives. They don't give a f about you. They care about their money and their power. They do not care about the fetus's life or the mother's or frankly anybody else's other than their own or what is immediately accessible to them. Feel free to share this rant with anybody that you think needs a stern talking to. Or if you're also tired, like me, of hearing the bull and the hypocrisy and the lies and the illogical statements from people like this. I feel absolutely disgusted by politicians, lawyers, winning office, getting high off their own ego, writing in laws about topics and areas of specialties that they don't understand and putting people's lives at risk because they think they have some moral high ground. A reminder, the United States was not intended to be this Christian nationalist state. That's what they're trying to turn it into. They think that their book and their morals, however they've interpreted it, means that that needs to be the secular law that affects everybody else. And I'm <laughs> tired of sitting under it. They're still trying to come after gay people. They're still trying to come after queer people. They're actively going after trans kids. They're actively going after drag queens. They're actively putting women's lives at risk. They do not care about life. They are not pro-life. They are anti-choice. They are all about putting their morals onto everybody else. It's not equality. It's not freedom. And I'm <laughs> sick of it. I'm mad. I'm, I got myself a little heated. Yeah. But, hey. You you told them. <laughs> like. The ignorant that I hear on a daily basis living in the South, especially being a teacher, because teachers across the board in the South are pretty conservative, and the culture here is very religious. The schools are allowed to have Christian organizations, but bet your money that they don't have other religious organizations doing stuff. And I'm so tired of feeling like I'm under the thumb of the Christian superiority complex. I'm done. I'm over it. So that was our episode, I think. Unless yeah, Trevor no, has I don't anything. really have anything to add. I, I mean... had more of the political, social commentary and the personal anger. Um, and Trevor offered facts and logic and a medical perspective that I think 
is sorely missing from conversations about abortion in a lot of mainstream media. Not that they're not trying, but they really don't focus on the medical facts. It It's like the news focuses more on the political implications and the right versus left and all this. And honestly, if there's any episode that I have ever wanted of ours to blow up, I feel like I feel way too passionate about this one for it to not blow up or at least get some kind of attention and not for my ego because someone hearing his side as a medical professional might actually get some traction and change some opinions and get people to vote in people that will actually put in logical thought and consult doctors when they're writing these laws. I don't know, but I feel like we had articles in a conversation about this that is sorely missing from the popular national media coverage that happens with a lot of this. They don't harp on the medical stats because they're mm-hmm. rarely talking to doctors about stuff like this. Yeah. And if they do, it's like a five minute segment on, on like the, CNN yeah, and then they're moving on to something else and moving on to Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Jesus Christ. Like we literally have women on their like being forced to go to their deathbed and the media wants to talk about football and Taylor Swift. Yeah. I really got myself worked up. I'm very mad. (laughs) Hey, I mean, you're right that sometimes stuff needs to be said and it is, it is a lot to live in the, south and be exposed to this every single day it's it's exhausting so okay well i think we're gonna go (laughs) it's a long episode but uh we'll be back next week with our our end of the year wrap-up so yeah it should be much lighter and more fun um i came up with it i came up with a really cute name for it that we'll use every year if i mean if we do this podcast for years until we're canceled (laughs) And I came up with a really cute name for it. I'm excited. Yeah. So we'll see you next time. The Up and Out podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only, okay? Don't take everything we say too seriously. Nothing we say is intended as legal or medical advice. All opinions shared by the hosts are theirs alone and do not reflect the beliefs and opinions of anyone else or any other organization. 